The Golden Mike Podcast is presented by SeaDeck Marine Products. SeaDeck features non-absorbent closed-cell PE EVA blended foam that delivers the perfect combination of comfort, safety, and style. For more information, check out www.seadeck.com. That's S-E-A-D-E-K.com. Your boat deserves SeaDeck. And now, it's showtime. the official voice of Toad Water Sports for over a decade. His vocal tones have narrated the industry's biggest and most prestigious events in the world. With over 25 years of on-water experience, captivating charisma, and a command of his audience, presented by Sea Deck Marine Products, it's the Golden Mike Podcast, with the noise of the North himself, oh, yeah. Dano the Mano. Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to episode 118 of the Golden Mike Podcast. As always, I am the noise of the North, Dano the Mano, recording this time from the world-famous Boathouse Studio overlooking beautiful Lake Sawyer in Windermere, Florida. It's another gorgeous day. Now feel the rhythm, feel the rhyme, get on up, because it's time for your bi-monthly dose of audio sunshine. Today's episode is brought to you in part by Roswell Marine, born out of the garage of Robert Oswell and now produced on the space coast of Florida. Roswell is always pushing boundaries within the industry to make beautiful and functional products that make boating and water sports just a little bit more enjoyable. Check out their 2019 product catalog featuring a huge selection of top quality marine audio equipment, board racks, and wake towers. Roswell's motto is quality without compromise, and no matter what you're looking for, you can buy with confidence knowing that Roswell products are built to perform reliably from the moment you unbox them. Head over to their website and see their full lineup of products and features. They have 35 preferred dealers located throughout the United States and Canada. Be sure to use the dealer search function on their website to find the one closest to you. That website is roswellmarine.com. That's www.roswellmarine.com. I'm sorry if I'm a little out of breath today. I just got back from a Brazilian jiu-jitsu session with the one and only Darren Shapiro. Darren's got his own Brazilian jiu-jitsu gym in Winter Park, Florida, just outside of Orlando. I showed up in my karate gi and yellow belt, which I picked up from the thrift store, and I was ready to break a few boards and win a few trophies. And can you imagine my surprise when Darren just grabbed me by the collar and repeatedly threw me to the ground, trying to pop my arm out of its socket and bring me to submission? I didn't even get a chance to show off my sweet front kick. Hiya! You guys should see my form. It's unbelievable. No? Well, just think about it. It is a podcast, right? Anyways, thank you to Darren Shapiro. It's been a great time. I've gone to a couple of the Brazilian jiu-jitsu sessions and hope to be back for a little bit more. For now, though, we have an awesome episode in store for you. My guest is a future water ski Hall of Famer and current world record holder, water ski long distance jumper, the one and only, the beast, Ryan Dodd is my guest today, considered by many to be the best water ski jumper 
in the entire world. He holds back-to-back world championship titles, and that world record I mentioned, a 254-foot jump in 2017, surpassing the previous world record of 250 feet set in 2014 by Freddy Krueger. That's Freddy Krueger, the skier, not the nightmare you might be thinking of, although that is Freddy's nickname. Anyways, Ryan has 45 pro wins under his belt and what feels like an endless amount of podium appearances. We recorded this episode all the way back in February. We were poolside at his lovely home in Palm Bay, Florida at his private ski lake. I got to say, you know, I know Ryan for a long, long time. He's a pretty reserved guy and he pretty much lets his skiing do the talking. But it was great getting to chat it up with him and really getting Ryan to open up. I think you guys are really going to dig what he had to say. But before we do get into it, there are a few pressing news matters I feel I've got to address. Well, well, maybe not so pressing, but this portion of the podcast is where I drop a few tidbits about what's been going on in the industry, a la industry news. First, I always say that athletes in our sport are superheroes. Well, that couldn't have been more true than just a couple of weeks ago in Winter Haven, Florida, when members of the Cypress Gardens water ski team helped save a family of three after their car crashed into Lake Silver in Winter Haven, Florida during a ski show tournament. After seeing the crash, ski team member Rosemary Angston and boat driver Andrew Petzold were among the first to the scene. The family was apparently in a daze and didn't quite understand what was going on. Apparently, their GPS had them turn right into the lake. It was like some sort of shortcut or something. I don't know. Luckily, the All-American Water Ski Show tournament was going on at the same exact time, and everyone was able to quickly spring into action The family was eventually taken to the hospital, and thankfully no one was seriously hurt. My girlfriend Jane and I actually went down to Winter Haven to check out that tournament. We showed up after all the mess was cleaned up, so we missed it. But on a side note, the All-American tournament was packed with spectators, and the amateur ski acts were a lot of fun to watch, a lot of creativity, but my favorite act of the day that I saw was the barefooting dad who pulled his daughter over the ski jump. He was being towed by the boat. They were going like 36 miles an hour, 37 miles an hour, 38 miles an hour, which is all kind of slow for barefooting, but it's fast for jumping. This girl couldn't have been more than 100 pounds. Uh, She was holding onto a rope attached to a harness on her dad's back. Um, Again, 37 miles an hour, 100 pounds. This girl probably leaped 60 feet. It was crazy. Anyways, following the tournament was another major industry happening. Former professional water skier and now Radar Ronix Southeast representative and the man who took me out at last year's Feet on Fire South Barefoot Endurance Contest, Dan O, the original Dan O, Dan Olson, launched the Olson Project. Dan held a nice charity gathering at a brewery in Lakeland, Florida. Donations were made and charity was raised through silent auctions with some awesome prizes like some custom water skiing wakeboard wraps from BU Stay You, which is Emily and Troy Roker's company. There was a full Ronix wakeboard package, lessons from the World Barefoot Center, and two insane tickets to a Tampa Bay Lightning game. 
plus a whole lot more. I can't remember the number raised, but I did talk to Dan Olson, and he said it totally exceeded their initial expectations. So congratulations on that. Dan's new nonprofit organization is designed to help educate people on men's mental health issues and autoimmune diseases. Some of you know that Dan lost his brother at an early age, which led to a prolonged battle with depression. Last year, he was also diagnosed with an autoimmune disease that doctors are still trying to learn more about. Dan is doing what he can to shed light on these two rarely discussed issues that have dominated his life in hopes of helping others get through similar circumstances. Dan Olson and his family are just incredible people who always give back to the community. Dan's a good pal of mine, and I recommend you learn more about how you can get involved with this awesome cause. Check out the OlsonProject.com, and Olson is spelled O-L-S-O-N, the OlsonProject.com. Now, on to the lighter side of the news. Nona Adventure Park, just outside of Orlando, just opened, featuring Central Florida's newest cable park, which caters to wakeboarders of all levels. The park also has over a 1,000 feet inflatable obstacle courses and tracks for people to explore on the water. And members of Team Ronix, including my good friend Eric Ruck, old reliable Jake Palat, the Harris twins, Josh and Brandon, we're all on hand all weekend long for the grand opening celebration. The Sunnyland Antique Boat Festival is also a part of my adventures uh, since the last episode released, so I thought it was appropriate to tell you all. You guys know I am a huge fan of all things vintage, and if you didn't, now you do, especially when it comes to old school skis and boats. The Sunnyland Boat Festival on Lake Dora is the largest antique and classic boating event on the East Coast, and they have some of the coolest vintage boats you'll ever see. I'm a huge fan of old-school 15 to 17-foot outboard boats like Mark Twain's, Glastrons, and Starcrafts, but I have to say the beaut of the day was this old wooden Correct Craft original ski boat used 60 years ago in the Tommy Bartlett Water Ski Show up in Wisconsin and in Tennessee. It was so cool. I took some photos of that. Actually, you can see that on my Instagram. I also purchased about 20 water skis from various vendors, including my good pal and grandson of the 1939 number one Florida State hydroplane rider, Mr. Tommy Bozell. It was all a great time and to me, pretty newsworthy. Also, I picked up some skis for Zane Schwank while I was out there. One last note this past weekend, Anne's Angels Adaptive Water Ski Foundation, now as they enter their fourth season, kicked off the 2019 season on the water with the Memorial Institute's Adaptive Sport and Recreation Expo in Sunrise, Florida. They had the pleasure of taking 15 people water skiing. Some of them were returning friends, other were first-time participants to the wonderful world of adaptive water skiing and wakeboarding and water sports in general. Friend of the show, John Lipscomb, commented throughout the day, we can't say whose smiles were brighter, those of the participants or the incredible volunteer staff of Ann's Angels AWF. John went on to say, if you're interested in learning more about Ann's Angels AWF, please visit the website at www 
www.ansangelsawf.org or via their Facebook page at Ann's Angels Adaptive Water Ski Foundation. They're always looking for new volunteers and friends to pass the handle to. So just remember, you can ski to Ann's Angels Adaptive Water Ski Foundation. So cool. Okay, I do want to take this quick opportunity to remind you all to please continue to spread the word about the Golden Mike podcast. There is no other podcast in the toad water sports industry that has continued to deliver high quality content going on six years straight. But you can help us get even bigger and better. Subscribe to the Golden Mike podcast on iTunes or the Apple podcast app and be sure to spread the word. Okay, so check this out, Manomaniacs. I know you all love swag, and I know this because I do, and I just can't imagine any of you are too much different than me. So April is officially here, and that means it's Write a Review Month here at the Golden Mike Podcast. Reviews have always been essential to the success of this podcast, and I appreciate all of you who have written one throughout the years. Right now, we're currently up to 115 five-star ratings and 76 reviews, but my goal is to get us to 100 five-star reviews by April 30th. Now, you guys already know if you write a review, not only do I read it aloud on this very podcast, but I also hook you up with the highest of quality golden mic swag, right? Stuff we all get. This month, I'm up in the ante. The next 24 people who write a five-star review will not only get their choice of a Golden Mike podcast beanie or t-shirt, they will also be entered to win a brand new wake surfboard from O'Brien. You heard that right. All you have to do is write a five-star review for this podcast and you could win a brand new wake surfer for the summer. Want to increase your chances? Get your friends and family to write a review as well. And if they win, I'm sure they'll be happy to share Head on over to iTunes, write how you already feel in a super cool review. Once it posts, screenshot it and email it to goldenmike at noiseofthenorth.com. I will then choose a review at random and announce the winner on May 1st. So be sure to stay tuned for that. Our latest five-star review comes from DND Bitminer who writes, I come back to this podcast for every new episode. Gets me stoked for the summer through a snowy Utah winter. I'm happy to hear it, brother, and stay strong because summer is just a few short months away. You can also follow the Golden Mike Podcast on Facebook and follow me personally on Instagram at Dano T. Mano and on Twitter at the Golden underscore Mike to stay up to date on all the latest Golden Mike news. And all right, my friends, we will be back in just a moment with Ryan Dodd, our guest on this week's episode of the Golden Mike Podcast, after a quick word from our sponsor, SeaDeck Marine Products. SeaDeck is the industry leader in innovative flooring solutions, supplying the best boat builders in the world with comfortable, durable, non-skid flooring systems. SeaDeck is available in a variety of sizes, thicknesses, and colors, and they have a worldwide network of certified installers ready to help you design the custom kit of your dreams. And they let you try before you buy. Just check out www.seadeck.com to order your very own free sample kit, complete with a huge variety of SeaDeck flooring solutions and samples. That's S E A. 
D-E-K.com for durability, comfort, and an incredible look and feel. Your boat deserves SeaDeck. Presented by Sea Deck Marine Products, it's the Golden Mike Podcast with the noise of the North, Dano the Mano. Ryan Dodd, what's up? Welcome to the podcast, Ryan. What's up, Dano? Thanks for coming down, dude. Uh, I walked into your house, I saw your, your beautiful wife, Brianne, and I see the baby bump looks like it's coming along real nice. You guys have uh, a little one coming? Yeah, we got a little one on the way. So she's, uh, Brianne's been off the water for a while, and we're really excited to, to see what's in store. You are not only a jumper, you are not only, well, currently what, considered the... Best jumper, you're the world record holder in jumping, and uh, some some pretty pretty impressive credentials. So, speak of those credentials real quickly. Currently, what are you? The world record holder, you the world champion? Yeah, as of uh, 2017, I've been the the world record holder with a 254 foot jump, and then the last two world championships, I've taken the title, so two uh, consecutive wins, and. Uh, I believe now we're up to 45 pro wins. 45 wins, <laughs> yeah, but probably hundreds of podiums, I could only assume. Yeah, the last, I mean, the last, I guess I've probably done 10 events a year for 15 years, so there's probably, you know, 150 podiums, and I'd say I've been first, second, or third at every one except a couple. Yeah, unbelievable, man. A lot a lot of hard work and effort, and uh, I think we're going to chat about that as we kind of go through this this podcast, talk a little bit about your story and your journey. Uh, before we do get to that, uh, some really big news that I don't know that if you know that I know this yet, and I'm sure the world who is interested in Toad Water Sports may have already seen this by now. If not, we're breaking the news right here, right now. You have been signed to the Roswell team, and Roswell has uh, been a great yeah. supporter of the podcast. They've been uh, a staple in the world of Wake for yeah. two decades, wow. but now they're dabbling into LD jumping. Pretty impressive. <laughs> Congratulations. Talk a little bit about what this um, relationship with Roswell is and what we can expect to see from you guys in the future. So yeah, I'm really excited. I was at the Masters this year, and you know I've always had you know Roswell on my radar, and and uh, you know I met I met Robert at the Masters this year, and um, you know Brad Gearhart's a friend of mine, and he's the team manager, and we all just kind of sat down and and discussed it, and we're gonna we're gonna do some neat things. I think we're gonna do some some st- cool stuff with my boat. I have a history in uh, car audio and show trucks, and we've discussed some ideas with maybe doing a neat truck and boat combo and. And jazzing up my boat and then uh, they do a mirror they do a mirror for the boat so i'm gonna try and develop uh you know a nice fancy new mirror for the boat we'll see where we go but that's probably going to be the the starting point very cool and you guys have that canadian connection as well right yeah i think i think when there's two canadians uh stuck in a warm place we kind of end up getting closer and meeting each other (laughs) yeah absolutely well congratulations on that another uh Awesome sponsor that you have that's been probably my biggest supporter um, wow. is SeaDeck Marine that's Products. Great. Yeah, and so what's been happening with those guys? I know that uh, I know that you guys kind of developed a fun little uh, like pad for the side of the boats that helped. Was that with slalom with slalom coaching? Was that that you were working on there? 
Yeah, I can go for slalom or jump. Uh, we we basically they're already covering the side of the boat, like where you step on. We just took it and sort of used a protractor to measure degrees of angle up and down the side of the boat. And it's good for knowing in slalom, like how wide you get in your gate, how narrow you are. And just to kind of see also when you're turning the buoys on each side to see if they're symmetrical. So if you're getting, you know, if you're getting to equal with them both sides, you're most likely to be in a good rhythm. And then just, you know, it protects the boat and it looks cool. Cdex. You know, they're, they've taken over all the, you know, the towed water sports industry. I think they're on the floor of all the boats now. And and uh, they've also done a pretty neat job in my gym. We've done all my lifting platform and plyometrics boxes. And they can do a ton of cool stuff. Some of your biggest sponsors are literally right here. Well, that's kind of also, like, the where it kind of started my mind. Like, I knew Deck from being in the boat. And then I somehow found out. I'm like, they're like 30 minutes from my house. So I just hit them up five years ago and said, hey, maybe we can, you know, talk about this idea I have. And next thing you know, we built a relationship. We love, you know, our, our common interest there. We love to, uh, you know, Jason, uh, Jason Gardner, he, he's, he loves to surf and so do I. And we still somehow haven't even surfed together, but we talk about it every time we meet. So I'm sure you like... guys have probably been in the same line. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure before you knew each yeah. other, you're probably in the same line probably, a few times. But, but yeah, I mean, just common interests and industry and and uh similar work ethics and aspirations so it it uh it's working out well very very good all right man well let's i want to get to the story here talk a little bit about where you grew up and how you actually got into water skiing yeah so it's not the the common path you know i'm not one of the the florida kids that grew up on the you know on the man-made lake being able to ski 364 days a year i grew up in canada uh, Northwestern Canada and Alberta on a farm. Um, I'm from, uh, you know, I'm, where I'm, I'm a fourth generation farmer, but I guess I'm the first one that dropped out. We, uh, my dad skied, my grandpa skied, and we all just kind of, kind of fun in the summer, public lake on a cabin. We just, you know, family, we got, we got pictures, you know, of my, you know, my dad and grandpa putting up this A-frame cabin on a, on a public lake and, and actually Jarrett Llewellyn and, you know, he was a coach and I mine. my dad and his dad were buddies and they're working together and just, you know, building this opportunity to ski in that short three month summer. And when I was about 10 years old, my dad was like, Hey, do you, you know, do you want to ski? And I was like, I didn't like it. I just wanted a tube. I wanted a kneeboard. I was doing fun, different stuff. So you I, were growing up as a recreational yeah, just waterman? Well, pretty water much. Sports? Yeah. I mean, my dad was a competitive slalom skier in the summer. He was good. He won nationals, but he was a farmer. And I didn't like, I didn't want to do the competitive stuff. I just wanted to go and have fun. I actually loved kneeboarding, um, just ripping around the lake and tubing. And, but then the, the moment I, he brought me to a provincials. So it's like a state's, you know, a state, state level tournament, but in Canada, we call it provincials. And I went and we drove 11 hours North in the middle of nowhere and it was horrible. I'm standing there. And then I was watching and this kid went out skiing and he was the star. I'd heard all about him. His name was Thomas Moore. And he like went out and he fell on the first buoy. And I was like, he fell on the first buoy. I'm not going to fall on the first buoy. I could do that. That looks cool. I could be as cool as this kid. And were you running? Like, had you been practicing? No, I think I got up on a slalom point? ski, but I was like, I can get a, or even, I think I was still on two skis. It was like, I could go around one buoy and I could have won the provincials. And uh, this is what I thought. It's so stupid. But I was like nine or ten years old, and then uh, I met him, and we started, you know, becoming buddies. And um, so yeah, that that was the start. I started kind of skiing, but I honestly didn't love it until I 
He was about 14 years old. And what was that? What was that that like sparked it? What changed? Well, I'd been jumping for three years. I was, no, I think it was my fourth year jumping, and I was pretty average. I was, you know, I was, you know, kind of in the middle of the pack, and um, I don't know exactly what happened, but it just started snowballing in a positive direction. I started jumping farther and farther and liking it and feeling better and more confident, and then I went to this one tournament, and I did a personal best by, like, 15 feet. And I just was like, well, that's crazy. And Did you get I, that first taste of oh, like just, adrenaline I or got, something? Yeah, it must have been my first adrenaline or something. And it was like my first taste of this drug and I was hooked. And I went to the next tournament, did it like a 23-foot personal best. And I was like, I was probably ranked 10th and I won the junior boys or boys three division at nationals with this jump by a massive personal best. And uh, I remember the announcer, he's an old uh, total legend, Jim Clooney. Canadian jumper and he was announcing and I just heard him like how excited he was about my jump and I had that adrenaline and I was hooked for life and I said I'm going to be a jumper I said I'm that moment I'm a jumper what about that that first time going off the ski because first time I'm uh, like I am not a daredevil I am not like some you know wild skydiving dude I am like my sister was the one who tried everything first I'm like Hey, can you try that and I'll see if it's safe and then I'll give it a go. So basically my dad had to corner me into jumping. Um, you guys might know the name Mike Farrell. He's like, he's a coach. He worked, he's a part owner of radar and Ronix and he's, uh, he was my dad's buddy way back. So my dad dropped me off to ski with Mike Ferraro. He had these old jumpers. He left with me, no helmet, a wetsuit. And there was three day camp and he said, teach my kid to jump. And I didn't want to jump. I was crying and nah, I don't want to do it. And I was scared to be alone. And Somehow Mike, you know, with his, you know, funny ass behavior and jokes and whatever, he conned me into just going off the little corner of the ramp and then a little more and a little more and a little more. And by the, I I had no helmet. My dad showed up and I was cutting, I was coming back to the boat. Like this is totally wrong. I was pulling out to the left and aiming at the boat to the right. When I went off the top of the ramp, it made no freaking sense. The rope was slack. Mike was just laughing at me, winging me off the ramp. And, uh, this was my first, uh, first intro to jumping but i was stomping it for me growing up i only knew about doing helicopters and flips off of the ski ramp doing helicopters or anything like that ever something in your mindset or has it always just been distance so again i'm like i'm on a farm in the middle of nowhere in canada you know this is before i you know the you know the cell phones and we didn't have an we didn't have the internet and all i knew was my dad was a great slalom skier and trick skier um he never got a chance to try to go to that pro level or anything because he was working on the farm. And my dad also helped um, sort of mentor and raise Jared and Craig Llewellyn, who were, you know, Jared's, you know, debatably one of the, the or one of the, you know, most legendary skiers in history. Sure. In three event skiing. So that is what I saw. That's all I knew was out there and existed. I didn't even know about wakeboarding. I didn't know about show skiing. All I knew was this guy, Jared Llewellyn, was, you know, some... some Tricking, some jumping, and slalom. Trick, slalom, and jump legend. And so that, you know, and, and if we went to a tournament, it was a, you know, my dad would go to a tournament in slalom, you know, just, you know, provincials and nationals maybe. And uh, so that's all I knew existed. Either was that or just cruising around or riding the tube or kneeboarding because that's all I'd seen. And then, you know, I just that's the path that I sort of took. So I was, I was a, you know, once I got into it, I was a three event skier, uh, first and foremost. And I thought I was going to be, you know, world overall champion was my goal. 
from um, from like basically. I love jumping, but I just was programmed probably based off Jarrett Llewellyn and my father that overall was for me, and uh, yeah, eventually I, I I got to be third in the world in overall and junior in, world in pro or in ju- in, in pro. Yeah, when I was eighteen years old, I was ranked third in the world in in overall skiing. Uh, I was top ten in tricks. Was it a little bit easier back then to put your focus into all three events as opposed to just one? Honestly, the depth of field was stronger then than it is now. Um, then it was ridiculously. So, like, what's yeah. what's changed? Like, what changed is it just that you were so hyper focused on getting the the becoming world record holder in in jump. A lot. I mean, a lot changed and just kind of flowed. And I've I'm never like I'm just gonna do something because I'm supposed to. I decide what I want to do in my life, and I try to constantly reevaluate it. Um, but for a long time, I was thinking that I was just I needed to be an overall skier. Because that's kind of the standard path, at least in Canada, is they get you to do all three events. And then you sort of, it builds your athleticism and time on the water. And then you sort of filter out where's where your strengths are. And I decided, wow, it's pretty obvious. I was working really hard at tricks. At least, at least I was spending 45 minutes a day on trick skiing, you know, up until I was 17 years old. And, you know, I got to be ranked, I think, eighth in the world. And I got second at Moomba and a few podiums. I competed in the Masters. But I'm just, I realized I'm beating my head against the wall. And I was stuck at third place in the world and jumped for like, I think, eight years. I was still third place. And I'd never once beat, I'd never still won an event. So I've been top three in the world for like, I think, 10 years and never won an event. And I'm still trying to slalom ski and I'm hurting my back. And um, I just kind of thought, this is crazy. Like, I'm, uh, there's some signs here. Like, I'm not getting better at what I love the most. And uh, so then I dropped slalom, and then nothing changed, and then I finally dropped tricks, and that's when I started winning. Uh, growing up as a kid, did you think you'd be leaving Canada to come to America to ski collegiately? And if so, like, how did you know that this scene um, even existed? And, and talk a bit about the scene. Yeah, so when I was like 12, 13, 14, I had no idea. I was just like, I'm going to be a skier. I had no idea how it was going to happen. And then 15, 16, now you're starting to look at the end of high school graduation. It's, uh, okay, how do we do this for the next 10 years? How do I leave the farm in Canada? Because you can't be a pro skier in the winter in Canada and water ski. And uh, I started thinking of some of the schools and scholarships. And and then uh, I remember I actually got a phone call from Regina Jaquist. She was on the team at, at ULM, University of Louisiana at Monroe. She gave me a call and because uh, I was, I think, the junior world champion. And and she said, hey, you should come down, take a visit. It's really fun down here. And it sounded all cool and amazing. And I went down and actually with Brianne, my wife now, we, uh, we were on the junior national team together. We went down, had a look, and we, like, fell in love with the place, the place and the people. And to me, the fact that I could be, like, water skiing on a campus, walk to school, walk to the gym, go to the pool to swim, hang out with my friends all like within a mile and do it. You know, I had a scholarship and I could ski for free. It was like, wait, so there's blew so my mind. Tell, tell, tell us a little bit about, uh, what the collegiate water ski scene is like compared oh, yeah, to like amazing. the, uh, professional water ski scene. Yeah, I, I would say the collegiate scene is far more important than the pro scene to the health of uh, water skiing in general. It's uh, one; it's a it's the only true form of like team that I've seen in skiing. Like, yes, we can go you know compete at the world championships for Canada, and it is we are skiing for our country, but 
this is this is truly a team. The team is number one. So you get to college. We had I think thirteen to fifteen people on the team together from all over the world. I think we had like seven or eight different countries. And now we're on a team. And our number one mission is to go and compete as a team at the collegiate nationals. And we were on a mission. Everybody's you know everybody's helping everybody. The weak link on the team that you know the the kid you know learning a new wake three sixty is 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 more important than Ryan going out and winning because we need that we need that fifth score to pull the team up and we need that skier to and we had so much fun there's a ton of people at collegiate nationals it's great energy and you know I haven't done the math but you add up all the schools across the country and there's a ton of people skiing and it's just it's good vibes and uh yeah, I've known you since your collegiate days. I worked at performance, yeah. and you used to get all of your gear from us. Yeah. And your your attitude um, has completely changed. That's uh, cool. And I, I I just have to ask you, like, is competition the only thing that drives you? Um, and if not, has that changed? Oh, it it's drastically changed for me. Um, like when I was younger, um, you know, again growing up on a farm, I think that work ethic. Um, you know, it's helped get me to the place that I am, but I was, you know, when I was younger for a long period of time, I think those 10 years that I referred to were actually kind of got stuck. I was specifically and only aiming to get myself better. And right? were you literally I was trying just, to win? Were you literally just at that point, were you skiing? Was it even like, was it fun to you or is just the thought? And I was of like- trying so hard to win that it became not fun because winning you can't control, right? Like, you know, we discussed world record. I could go out tomorrow and break a world record here, right? And you'd think that's that's it, right? That's the best that I could do. Well, what if some young, you know, kid comes out and shows me up by a foot? Am I now not as special and significant? And should I not enjoy that moment as much because someone else is better than me? And that's that that yes, I have been winning. I've won eighty eight percent of the events the last three years, but do does that make me, is that what I'm aiming for? Yeah, part of my brain does want to win everything. But really, what I've really realized the last five years, what do I want? What do I want most? What do I enjoy most? Like, my most fun memory, I think, ever is like Brianne pulling me out here jumping. And as you can see right now, there's not, there's no one like skiing. There's no one watching. Normally, when I ski, it's Brianne in the house. She pulls me. There's, I shouldn't say it, but there's no one in the boat. I'm like, I had one jump one day where I caught the wind under my feet. I was, I was freaking weightless. I was floating in the air going 70 miles an hour i just completely exploded off the ramp it was like this euphoric feeling time stretched out it felt like it was in the air for a minute when it's only 2.5 seconds i landed crazy i landed like weightless like a like a cat which is not normal i'm freaking 190 pounds i threw the fist i was going totally ballistic screaming and yelling and i was high for like 10 minutes on life and like i don't even drink caffeine in the morning there's no substance that's altering my state of mind this is just pure adrenaline from like the feeling of flying so that's what i crave most that's what i'm after most i've won like like i won an event like i was brianna were just reviewing the year yesterday i won hazelwoods last year it's the most gnarly format of the year best jump of four rounds right so my goal was to put myself in a position where in the first round, my jump was big enough that I could just chill all tournament and watch everybody and choose when to ski. So that by the end, if I don't have to go back out to go farther, I don't have to. What happened? Just that. Freddie went out. He couldn't catch me. I just took my skis off, walked up to my bag. But the feeling, no adrenaline, no excitement. I set my, I achieved my goal for the whole year. 
I was fit. I was strong. I was light. I jumped well. I dominated every round. I executed my plan that was on paper to perfection. No adrenaline, no excitement, no joy. Game over. That's my job. But what do I love the most? I love jumping. It's just amazing. One of your biggest accomplishments over the past couple of years is being named the IWWF two-time male skier of the year. Talk a little bit about what the IWWF male skier of the year award is and what it means and why it is so special to you. I mean, you have these lists, this list of things that you feel are, you know, supposed to be accomplished if you're going to determine you're the best in your sport in the world so that that's on the list that's a very kind of basic structured way to look at it but yes you can win a world title you can have a world record but to me um you know athlete encompasses more than just the performance and i you know i try to be a you know a, a great person and coach and mentor and more than just a the guy who jumps far and to me if you know that that's a nice measuring a measuring stick of that, um, you know, if the governing body, this this same governing body, the same people that voted for me have also fined me in the past. You know, I've been <laughs> I've been nearly disqualified from events. There's been some stuff, some for good reason, some for sticking up for my sport, some from being a wild man. So for me to get to the point where two years in a row, the same people that were like, hey, watch yourself at the event, like, don't get too crazy, are now like saying, you know, that, that feels like I've come somewhere, so... Absolutely. Hey, 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 y'all. We'll be right back with more from Ryan Dodd in just one short minute. But you guys need to hear about this unbelievable contest from Masterline USA. Obviously, Masterline is known for their top quality tournament grade ropes, handles, and gloves. But this Memorial Day, Masterline wants to send you and your closest friends or family to the 60th Masters Water Skiing Wakeboarding Contest in Pine Mountain, Georgia for free. Not only that, they're prepared to give away four pavilion passes, including VIP lunches and tours, a three-night stay at the Four Diamond Lodge and Spa, and a sweet golf package at the Callaway Gardens Golf Club. What's that? You want more? Okay, well, how about this? They're going to throw in an unbelievable collection of custom and signed gear that all equates to a $2,000 value in all. This package, well, it's worth nearly or more than $10,000, people. That's a lot of money, folks. Oh, yeah. All you have to do is visit MasterlineUSA.com and sign up for the Master Sweepstakes. There's no purchase necessary. There's only one entry per person, and it's open to adults 18 and older. So good luck, folks. Get online and check it out. One more time, that's MasterlineUSA.com. Another guy who you uh, mentioned, and I didn't really realize that you had this deep of a connection with him is Jarrett Llewellyn. You've actually gotten to compete against Jarrett yeah, Llewellyn. Yeah, he beat me for, you know, 10 years. But like when you so what was that like when you stepped into that arena, the arena of like looking up to a Jarrett Llewellyn as like a superstar to like being hey, I'm not only skiing with him, but now I'm actually trying I'm coming at this guy. I'm coming at my hero. Like what kind of feelings did that bring for you, if you can even remember that far back? Well, like in the moment, like when you're there, you're not, there's no way you can perform to your potential and be like starstruck, 
right? So in that moment, anytime I was just, you know, I was like on a mission from when I was started, you know, when I said I was 13 and I got hooked on jumping until when I was 16 was the first year I competed him. Every time I watched him, I was going, how can I figure out how to beat him? And then when I, so I, I wasn't, you know, I was step aside. I was starstruck when I was a little kid, but then I was just on a mission to, to figure out how to get there. And then uh, there was some years, you know, in the later years of his jumping where it was really, really cool to compete against him when we were kind of at the same level was like, that was fun. That was really cool to see, you know, see us go back and forth. You know, I beat him one time. He beat me one time. We actually tied and we were in a jump off in Moscow, Russia one time for the, for the win of the tournament. And that was like, you know, the, a moment like that was pretty special. I want to talk about how the sport and the equipment and the athletes have changed and the obviously the advantages yeah. that you guys have today, but the gnarly factor, because you can look at it in, in, in two different ways, because maybe it was a little bit more gnarly back then, but mm -hmm. at the same time, you're going 50 feet further than what the record was. So... Arguably, it's gnarlier now, but talk a little bit about the equipment and, and how the, the equipment's changed in you guys as athletes. Yeah, so I, I came in at a neat time. You know, right when I started, long skis, you know, were, were already there. Uh, Ron Goodman was already building, you know, his 90-inch jumpers, and, you know, I had a pair of 90. I had the same length of skis when I was 16 years old as right now, so I've, I've been on long skis for 18 years. The boats, you know, the, you know, the Nautique now with... 6.2 liter engine, 450 horsepower. Um, that's pretty fun to jump behind. Pretty special that, you know, we're up, you know, we're up well over a hundred horsepower from boats in the past. I mean, it was a different finesse back in the old days because yeah. if you took the wrong cut, you're yanking that boat. Like you, like now, nowadays, you yeah. mean, you can load up so against the whole, that boat, right? The whole right? strategy's changed. Like before it was, you know, cut as hard and wide and late as you can and beat the boat. And now because you know, we have such good equipment, fast skis, strong boat. Um, you know, we're trying to use the boat. We're trying to use physics to send us farther down the lake, not muscle. Uh, we need the muscle because the impact of the ramp so nasty, but that's actually one thing I'm working on is a rule change on the ramp right now to evolve the sport um, and actually lengthen the ramp and make it a little easier to impact. Um, Wouldn't that make it safer too, though? That's the goal. That's what we've got in our letter to... Uh, the governing body, so we'll know in a couple of days how that looks. But I'm a skier. I don't want it to yeah. come across like I'm harping on skiing, but there's sometimes I look at like what's gone on in the world of water skiing versus like what's going on in the world of wakeboarding. I'm just like, yeah, guys, I mean, our sport, like even wakeboard, like wakeboarding is not, you know, not, not moving anywhere that fast, but at least it's been open to evolve. Well, the thing water is, is when the athletes like, band together for yeah. a change. Yeah. For, so we don't we don't look at it. Or, or they don't look at it and say, "Well, this is going to affect the history of the sport." This is there's it's it's the evolution. Of yeah, the, the word sport. the word evolution. Um, to be blunt, in the in the realm of three and water skiing, doesn't really exist. Um, and it it is deeply rooted in my beliefs. So that has been a challenge for me in the past, and it is. And the only way of you know now I'm I'm actually the athlete representative on the you know, the IWSF technical committee for the Pan Am region. So I'm trying to make a difference. Um, I'm trying to implement some very subtle rule changes just to kind of get the ball rolling and break the ice. Most of the, you know, most of the people have been very open to what, you know, we've proposed, but we've, 
the proposal is logical. It's safer. It's easier on the body. It's going to enable more younger guys to jump, you know, guys that without as much experience to jump on the big six foot ramp, older guys to keep doing it, us to jump farther at challenging sites. So it makes perfect sense. The holdup is change. People don't want well, the, change. The yeah. downside is yeah. this. That's going to cast a shadow over some of the old history but the fact is it's funny so if anyone in the world shouldn't want anything to change right now if they just want to keep winning it'd be me because i'm winning right but i'm like i'm getting really bored i need something to change i can't keep beating my head against the same wall there's so many different kinds of of coaches that that you can talk to from guys like mike ferraro to um you know sports psychologists to nutritionists to uh what life coaches or whatever how important is coaching to you in the past versus now um and what role has it has it played in your success i've been through lots of different phases um in my life i believe you know influence i believe role models i believe you know whatever term you want to put on it for learning from from others is crucial like if we had no one out there to look up to how would we even know what's possible um but there's, you know, there's two sides to it. If you just, you, you got to want it first, right? If, if the athlete or, uh, you know, wake, ski, surf, whatever, if they don't want the help, if they're not seeking change, none of that's going to help them. It can often make it worse. Do all athletes need this coaching, do you think? I mean, there's lots of, lots of examples of people not having specific coaches with the term, like, you know, do you need a life coach? Do you need a technical on water coach do you need a you know i don't know if you need it but if you know basically the, the more you know the better the better off you are if you're willing to do the work um but there, I, i'd say there's no specific strategy but um am i seeking help yeah i mean if i'm not trying to learn from other people at this point in some way shape or form it's going to be really hard to get better it's just now when you're already the best, it's it gets harder and harder to learn, and the results become less and less measurable. Being a a, a jumper, going off that ramp, you know, hitting jumps on average. I'm guessing in practice you're still going 200 feet just when you're jumping, uh, practicing, right? You're probably boosting. average practice jump. Like 95 percent of the jumps are 230 to 235. So they're they're I full on, like it looks like I'm finals of the tournament every time I hit the water. It's it's unbelievable, and in your career and in your days of training, I'm sure that you've you've taken some some pretty big hits, especially to the head. But um, arguably, the the worst hit that you ever took to your head uh, came in an incident after a, a big uh, water ski contest out in Michigan, probably what six seven years ago. Uh, yeah, the, the contest was called King of Darkness, and I think that that contest has now been has reemerged down here in Florida, but it's a little bit different back in the day. It was in the year earlier days of jumping um under the lights at nighttime uh you won the event correct yeah you won this event you went out to celebrate that evening and you ended up getting into a a bit of an altercation which you know i just listened to you on a podcast last week and this is the first time i ever heard the story um i've heard rumors of the story but i was a little nervous to ask you yeah um Apparently you're in a some sort of altercation bar fight and a, a bottle gets bashed over over your head and you walk away or something or you wake up and you end up getting on an airplane, you end up going home and somehow you find out that this injury is a whole heck of a lot uh, worse 
than it is. Tell me the story about this bar fight. What the heck happened there, and how did this change your career, and how did you come back? Yeah, so we just, you know, it was one of my first big wins, and my buddy Zach actually got second, and, uh, you know, we both beat Freddy Krueger in, you know, the prime of his career. So we were just, you know, we were on a, we were on a euphoric sort of high. We were having a great time, and we went out partying, and, um, you know, we're both smart asses, and we said the wrong thing to the wrong people, and, you know, they're outside the bar waiting for us. We, we, we weren't in, like, a fight in the bar. We just walked out, and they're all waiting, and we were, we were basically cornered. They had their cars pulled up, and it was uh, basically do or die at that point. Did these guys know who you were? No, no, you... we're, no, no. We're in, like, Flint, Michigan. We didn't even know we are in Flint, Michigan. We didn't even know that's where you're not supposed to be. Um, so we were just young and dumb and out having fun. And, yeah, we got our butts kicked and beat up, and uh, it was pretty nasty. And, you know, I flew home, and Zach, I don't know where he ended up going. I, I got myself home, and next day was pretty brutal. And Did Zach get worked, too, Yeah, on this I think one? he broke his nose, and it was pre- he looked worse than me, but <laughs> I had, the I had like, internal bleeding in my brain. And, and now, now, okay, yeah. so, so, like, I'm guessing – this is a group of dudes because I look at a guy like you and Zach and just knowing what you do on the water, you're, yeah. you're basically hurling yourself at 70 miles an hour, uh, weekly on average, you know, daily, um, into a brick wall. Basically you are one of the, you are, to me, I look at you, you're probably the toughest, one of the toughest guys I know I would never, and you're Canadian. I would never, ever, uh, mess with you. So like, I mean, were you, were you guys, were you guys trying to, get back or was it like you walk out realize that this whole thing is gonna happen and you just sort of take this this yeah we or? just i think we realized it was uh it was happening and we just kind of went in insane so yeah. uh, moving forward this happened so i mean do, does this humble you at all at this moment or yeah it always does and that's why i remind i have you know i actually framed the the uh my metal and my bib and uh, put a reminder in my office just to try to keep myself grounded and you know we all start at times in our life think we're a rock star and we gotta come back down to earth and know we're not and that moment helped me a lot and i was out of the sport for eight months uh, they told me i never jump again they told me i was lucky to be alive i almost you know my skull was fractured my brain was bleeding and i almost hit this big artery that they said you'd be dead and it was nasty so you know i was I got back on the water like seven months after that and I jumped for two years with headaches and I saw stars and I didn't tell people this stuff because I was so committed to coming back and slowly it's faded over eight years back into normality and it was brutal. Was there, was there ever a time that you, like when you first got back on the water, could you like, cause you, you seem like a guy who kind of manifests your future uh, for the most part. It seems like you're the kind of guy who, you know, when you set a goal, you you do whatever it takes to achieve yeah and i said i said when i decided i started lifting i didn't say i'm gonna jump again but i started kind of moving and exercising like after six months and and i went on an extreme diet and i lost i said i'm gonna be lighter than i've ever been and stronger than i've ever been and then i'm gonna try to jump again and i got myself there by uh april that year and i went out to jump and first set i went like 215 feet and was like well that was fun and I kept jumping. I said, I entered in a first tournament. First tournament, personal best, 237 feet. First tournament, 
my I'm like I get tingles right now thinking of it because I've been stuck for like eight years at the same personal best blew it out of the water then I go to the masters no expectations just so happy to be there this is probably when you started seeing changes in my behavior I'm running around like a little kid I'm talking to everybody I'm so amped to be there and I went out and won the first US Masters title and this is like t- 10 months before or eight months before I was like I was scared in the car. I couldn't look at light. Brienne couldn't even open. I would lose it if she'd like open the blinds. I couldn't have certain foods. I'd get headaches and I was depressed and anxious. And now we're here. So yeah, I specifically took control of my life. And uh, it's it's hard to, I wish I could feel, you know, I constantly try to get that same feeling of excitement and 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 humble but it's so hard to stay grounded like that all the time. Sure. Well, dude, we're we're, we're glad that uh, you've you've come back around, and uh, I'd say you're better than you were before. So. Me too. My wife says I should have slapped you in the head earlier. <laughs> Not a bad <laughs> idea, right? <laughs> hey, uh, talk about the um, that that jump video that you guys. Uh, well, I don't know, water ski video, the viral video yeah. that you guys put out. Yeah. So. You know, deep down, I want to inspire people. I want to grow the sport. I want to show jumping to the world. I want my sponsors, you know, like we mentioned, Nautique and Roswell and SeaDeck to, like, get some value to me and, like, bring them opportunities. So I thought, I can go make videos myself. I'm not good with the camera. I don't actually like being on camera. I could go make, you know, video myself all the time and put stuff out and get 5,000 views. And then I thought, no, maybe there's a better way to do this. So I thought, why don't I contact the you know, the number one most views videographer for crazy stunts and sports out there. So I contacted them and they And who is re- that? Devin Supertramp. They do crazy wild stuff. You've I'm sure everybody's seen something they've done, human slingshots, bungee jumps, they launch people, they they uh base jump, they skydive, they do it slip and slides, just fun, crazy stuff and they're they're the best at what they do. So I contacted them and randomly the uh one of the guys that works there water skis and he knew me he's a fan of mine and it was kind of a nice in and uh, we talked for like four years of me bugging these guys and finally they actually found a sponsor um they got gillette gillette razors to come in and and pay for the video and hook it all up and we uh i just i originally was gonna like do something totally nuts and then like i said i'm not a daredevil so i got scared and we just said we'd jump some flamingos and like have a party and have people that was flying over and just put really good vibes out and make it look fun and well it showed a cool it showed a cool lifestyle and i think that it showed i think it actually i've been to a few water ski parties and i think that it showed the real lifestyle of water skiing versus the lifestyle that's being portrayed out there which is just that you guys train and that it's kind of stiff and all you do yeah. is it's it, and i think it was cool too because a guy like you it just shows that hey there's a time and a place you do i think that what you preach is how you live and how you yeah. act you know you are a healthy guy you are a fit dude but it's cool to see that a guy like you can take a break yeah even in the thick of it because well cause i don't know if you would have done that seven or eight years ago but no. you know, this was Early no, season, and then I get down there season. on the dock, and I'm like, the night before, I'm like, oh, my God, I just said I'm going to jump over three flamingos with all my friends partying, and, like, I don't even know how I'm going to set these flamingos up, and, like, I know we can get people to come and party, but, like, I got to, are they going to want me to jump over them? Well, so <laughs> I'm looking at I'm looking at the flamingos yeah. in the pool right They're now, now and they, they looked uh, a lot bigger in the video. Yeah, these, these <laughs> are not, these are the ones to hold your uh, Bud Light or your Gatorade, but. 
the ones we jumped over were like the giant flamingos that fit like 10 people. Yeah. It was, uh, but yeah, it was super fun. We got it all set up and, uh, how many, how many views did that video end up getting? So on one of their pages, it got 1.1 million views and it's still growing. Maybe it's at 1.2 now and they've got it all on different pages, YouTube, Facebook, but yeah, you can check out Devin Superchamp's, uh, YouTube channel, Facebook page is called Insane Stunts. And on the Insane Stunts page, that's where it got the over a million views. Do you think that it uh, helped? Did it, did, like, did, did anything come out of that for you? I mean, obviously, you're probably not getting paid for that. I mean, it's realistically just the views alone to me would be worth it, you know, that extra exposure. But uh, overall, in general, did that do anything for, for skiing or anything? I mean, this is the thing with marketing, right? Like, Everybody, you know, when you go to a company to sponsor you or work with you, they want it to be measurable. Um, that's the one thing they say. And then on the other hand, they're like, yeah, we want social media. We want this. We want likes. We want. OK, so, you know, I've, I've got measurable and then I've also got this, which is measurable. And like, have I seen anything come from it um, directly to me into my bank account or <laughs> no? Um, you know, I'd love to but that's not how the world works like we to me that's what people say in business is it needs to be measurable we need x amount of likes we need this we need that roi brother but i'm like for real guys you know i'll just throw you know i I orchestrated this and got my sponsors involved and send it out and send them the link and hey guys and it's whatever and if they if over time i keep keep delivering then we'll see change but i i on the other hand can't expect that i go make this rock star video and the world changes for me sure if i did that every week if i had a million views a week you know then we can talk right so i gotta get there absolutely well brother i definitely appreciate that you did that and i'm sure the entire community of of, uh water sports appreciates it um as we get down to the end here i wanted to talk a little bit about your dad real fast you know obviously water skiing is a family sport and it's come full circle for your family your dad got you into skiing Um, it sounds like in your dad's you know younger years he wasn't necessarily such a like competing sounds like they're from from this it sounds like there may have been a slight importance but nothing too crazy your dad's now on the uh, senior uh, world team for for Canada and he's Older than he was before, but skiing better yeah. than ever. Your dad is a your dad is a, a machine. He's from what I've seen and heard, he's ripped. Uh, you'd never know that he was what late fifties or sixties or something. Sixty two. You'd you'd never know. May uh, I wrote down a note here before I came out here. Your dad is basically like uh like going like reverse Benjamin Button of water skiing sort of talk about your dad and and what he's been up to and stuff like that and how cool it is for you to see him do yeah, what he's, he's doing he's got his own strategy he's uh he's just still growing up he's been he was the hardest working person I've ever met uh what he did on the farm every day since he was 13 years old is mind-boggling and he loved skiing more than anything but he was so committed to his craft and that was farming that he didn't take the time to do it so he's retired the last like I think for five years now and he's specifically said like he actually bought the house two doors down um, from us and he's down here skiing you know half the year and he he's as committed as anybody I've seen and the key is he's more excited than anybody I've ever seen every time he goes to ski that's the key every time I go pull my dad's ski and I'm kind of in my day doing my stuff I'm driving the boat I look back there he is lit he is fired up 
It is his moment to do his favorite thing in the world. It's sunny, it's warm, it's windy, it's white capping, whatever we got going on. It's a challenge, and he's chipping away at it, and he's trying to get better no matter what he's got. He's got disc issues in his back. He's got knee stuff. He's got elbow stuff. He's got everything going on. He doesn't care. He's going to go out there, do his best, take a rip at it, and try it at least every time he skis, he's trying to pull something out of it, some some glimpse of hope that he can get better, and it's it's inspiring. But, I mean, he's... For for his age bracket, I mean, what what else does he have to prove? Didn't I read or hear that he became world champion? Yeah, he's won the senior worlds. Um, the craziest is he's he competes in the big dog, so that's thirty five and up. And this is a lot of guys that are just kind of like they could still ski pro, like guys that run into forty one off professional. Jason you know. Seals. Yeah, and like Jody Fisher, Todd Risterselli, and then there's some of the you know guys that have you know, been sort of legendary in the Jeff big dog Rogers, scene. I mean, yeah. So, uh, and, so and he goes in and he's competing against these guys and he's gotten better every year for the last five years. And he's, he talk about, you know, he asked about sports psychologist, trainer, all this. He's got none of that. He's a farmer. He's done. He puts his ski on and takes a rip at it and that's it. So it's like, I'm like, dad, do you want to like try, you want to do some, like some workout with me or like, no. Okay. He's, he does it his own way, man. Not doing it. Well, absolutely unbelievable. Uh, we're going to kind of close it out uh, on this here. You know, a lot of skiers don't have that that plan B, you know, um, yeah. that, um, you know, that, that retirement plan. I think it's really, really cool because not only do you love the sport and you've been such a big part of it, but you've also now kind of uh, been dabbling in the entrepreneur side of of our in, of our industry, um, I don't know if there was a hole in in this aspect of it, but you've started your own uh, glove company. So I have a glove company started uh, last year called Stealth, and I just said, hey, like I don't like any of the gloves out there, so I'm gonna make a better glove. And deep down, I just wanted to find gloves that I could hang onto the handle with and trust when I cut to the ramp and. After two years of R&D and samples, I was like, all right, these will work. Talk about um, uh, what makes your gloves so special and what really, uh, you know, what goes into them. So it's kind of funny. My, you know, we've all got different personalities. And for me, like you said, I'm very serious. I'm very regimented. I ha- I'm a perfectionist. But then on the other hand, part of me is super laid back and I have a sense of humor and, and I'm kind of a smart ass. So this is honestly my way to vent and use part of my personality. So I'm, I'm, I'm you know, hundred percent believing I'm making the best glove in the market. It's going to, it's going to compete with the other ones in its category on, you know, performance and be a little bit better and it's going to last longer. So how do you do that? There's no rocket science. We're all making water ski gloves to be honest. Like, you know, I, that's why I kind of, I almost made a mockery of the, the whole thing on, on my, my header card. Most people probably don't read it, but everyone's saying I've got like this space age Kevlar and a Mara palm and all these crazy things and seven straps and it's reinvented. It's all the same stuff, guys. You just got to take the time to make them fit. You got to make the straps the right length. You got to double stitch in the areas that they normally rip and you got to have them not fall apart for the people that buy them. Um, so maybe my ROI is a little lower cause mine last a little longer, but people are going to like them. They're gonna be able to hang on to the handle. We got sizes all the way down to triple extra small for tiny little kids, all the way up to this monstrous double extra large. And it's not a normal double. It's like huge double extra large. If you want to wear like a snow ski mitt under it, but lots of sizes and, uh, 
Yeah, we just try to have fun with it and not take it too seriously because, like, you know, I don't I don't need to do it. I'm just, you know, choosing to do it because I want to make a great glove and see people uh, hang on to the handle. So we've uh, we've added another two gloves to the line this year, and we'll see how they go. Very good. And if anybody is interested in uh, picking those gloves up, where can they uh, be found at? Yeah, they're, I think we're in like eight countries now. We've got, you know, my shop sponsor is in Canada, Shoe Swap Ski and Board, and it's their number one selling glove, and they've had no returns the whole year. Performance Ski and Surf in Orlando is carrying them. They've been doing Same great. Same story. Yep. And uh, we've got them in, where are we at? In Chile, the Mirandas have them. We've got Biwake in Korea. Um, they're in Belgium. With you online? NBA four temps. Yeah, on most of the retailers' websites. I also have a website, inspiredbyryan.com, and they're on there, but I haven't figured out how to get my store working yet. So what you're saying is go Just, to shoe shop. Yeah, hit up the retailers. Like, I'm, I'm designing gloves. I'm using them, but if you know, I'll answer any questions. Um, and I actually forgot. You can you can buy direct for me too. Are you, are you, so are you are you easy to get a hold of? What's your yeah, social I'm media? Yeah, I'm like very responsive on uh, social media, unless I'm like getting ready to jump. But so where where are you at on social Instagram media? Instagram is r two sixty. Also Stealth Glove, just at Stealth Glove, and I will respond to any messages or requests for uh, purchase there. You on Facebook or MySpace? Anything Facebook, else? Facebook, yeah, just Ryan Dodd. I don't have like a glove page, but I'm on Facebook. Very good, easy. Hey, dude, what did you? Uh, what did you think of this experience? Was it, was it amazing? Was it was it more? Yeah. Was it less? <laughs> yeah. I try to not like if I start thinking about stuff too much before I stress out, and then I get weird. So I tried to not really think about it. Hilarious it's, it's conversation, been, uh, you and amazing. I. Hilarious conversation you and I were having the other day. It was so <laughs> funny. We I'm on the phone with you. I'm like, hey, let's let's do this podcast. You're like, yeah, and I start kind of explaining how it all works to you, and we start like kind of discussing. And I think we're like 15 minutes into this conversation. And you just stop, and you're basically like, you know what? Let's just go for it. Whatever. You're like, yeah. <laughs> basically, uh, you're like, I'm thinking too hard already, and it's just not gonna work if I think this yeah. hard. So, definitely appreciate it. Uh, you already gave your social media. Do you want to give some love to the sponsors? Yeah. And your family. Sure. Anybody for sure. else? Yeah, my wife some Brianna shout outs. and and the little uh, little one on the way in the house. My family, Dano. Thank you so much for having me. This has been amazing. Enjoying this beautiful day. With uh, light winds and 80 degrees. Beautiful. Thank you to Nautique Boats, Sea Deck Marine, Roswell, um, Stealth Glove, Chic Sports makes my jump sling. Who else do we got? I'm forgetting. But, oh, Masterline, Eagle Sports. And uh, I guess we could thank Stillwater Lakes for uh, letting me jump out here every day. Beautiful. All right, all right. Well, Dodd, again. Appreciate you for being here. This has been a lot of fun. I think that everybody's going to get stoked on it. We're going to go pop a photo in front of a big pink flamingo here, and I'm going to post that up there. So there it is. That's it. That's all, folks. Ryan Dodd right here on the Golden Mike Podcast. Hang tight. I'll be right back. You. Hey, all. I wanted to take a second to talk to you guys about Wake Responsibly. Now, I know this episode has been all about water skiing, but Wake Responsibly has a message that translates to all towed water sports. Please be mindful of other boaters and most importantly, homeowners anytime you're at the lake. 
Ensure that you're doing your part by educating others to minimize repetitive passes. Keep your music at reasonable levels and stay a safe 200 feet away from shorelines and docks. Head over to wakeresponsibly.com to take the pledge today. And while you're there, be sure to take the Wake Responsibly compliance exam and receive an official sticker free of charge that you can put on your boat to remind others to wake responsibly as well. Whether you're a wakeboarder or water skier, this initiative is something we can all agree on. So again, find out more online at wakeresponsibly.com. Are you tired of having to scavenge all over for a phone charger? Is your camera battery struggling to hold a charge only to die on you at the most crucial moment? Personally, I know there's nothing worse than having my podcast equipment stop working mid-conversation. It messes up the entire flow, and that's why I use GoPuck Wearable Power. Designed for people who need a charge on the go, GoPuck makes wearable, compact, and durable power solutions for all your mobile devices. You can clip, strap, or mount the power wherever you need, giving you the ability to easily rapid charge your devices multiple times, hands-free. It's both convenient and powerful. The best part, no more dead batteries. Visit GoPuck.com to learn more and use promo code MANO30 on all purchases to get 30% off again at GoPuck.com. The Golden Mike Podcast is back with the noise of the north. Dano the Mano, presented by Sea Deck Marine Products. Ladies and gentlemen, Brian Dodd. What a beast and what a guy, folks. So I wanted to update you all since that conversation happened in February. Ryan and his lovely wife, Brianne, have welcomed a brand new baby girl into the world. A big congratulations to both of them. That baby has some amazing water skiing genetics and is probably going to break all of her dad's records, I'm sure. And you know what? Mom isn't too shabby of a skier either. Big things, people. I see big things here. You also heard Ryan mention his stealth gloves at the end there. He actually gave me a pair of prototype stealth gloves, and man, oh man, was I impressed. I was just testing them out on the water with a good friend of the show, my pal Thomas DeGasperi, and I was amazed how comfortable they felt. Many of you know that T-Gas has been a coach and a mentor and a friend to me for a very long time. Just want to give him a quick shout-out because I've taken, like, Three sets over there at T-Gas Ski Club this week, and I am sore, but it's great to be back on the water. And no calluses, so thank you, Ryan Dodd, for the gloves, and thank you for being on the Golden Mike Podcast. Hey, if you guys want to see me live and in person, I'll be announcing at the first stop of the Performance Ski and Surf Gravel Tour Series at the Orlando Water Sports Complex on April 20th. The following week, I'll be headed to sunny Mesa, Arizona for the newly announced Centurion Waterproof Tour presented by Roswell Marine happening April 26th and 27th. After that, it's back to Orlando for the Malibu Boats Rider Experience and WWA Southern Wakeboard Regional Championships. That's May 3rd through May 5th at Kobe and Tara Mikasich's Freedom Wake Park. 
Moving right along, we've got the second stop of the Performance Ski and Surf Gravel Tour Series, May 11th at the Orlando Water Sports Complex. May 18th, I make my return to the MIC, to the microphone, at the Supra Pro Wake Tour. Then Feet on Fire South returns this year. It'll be held Tuesday, May 21st at the Waterfront in Orlando, We'll have the likes of Eric Ruck in the house, Parks and Shane Bonifay, Sean Murray, Zane Schwank, Darren Shapiro, myself, and so many more, plus returning and defending three-time, three-time, three-time Feet on Fire champion, J.D. Webb. You won't want to miss it. My only question, who's going to come out on top? But to cap off the month of May, I'm going to be heading out to Callaway Gardens in Pine Mountain, Georgia, just outside of Atlanta for the 60th annual Nautique Masters Water Ski and Wakeboard Tournament. It's my 14th straight year in a row announcing up top in the Robin's Nest. And are they calling it that? Well, I don't really care if they are or not because I made it up and that's what I call it. Anyways, my 14th time announcing. It's my 16th time going to the Masters. And folks, if you do the math, that's almost as long as Gunther Oka's been alive. We've almost been going to the Masters as long as each other. Gunther, you've got a couple years on me, though. Get it, brother. Thank you all for listening and an enormous thank you to the sponsors of this podcast for their continued support. Thanks to SeaDeck Marine Products, Boulder Boats, Masterline, Centurion Boats, WSIA, Roswell Marine, O'Brien, Ledwick, Conley, Ronix, Hyperlite, and GoPuck. Behind the scenes, a special thank you to Jenna Carruth on the web, Jane Levy in the office, Arthur Shabashavich on the copy, and Richie Rich Walsh on the sound that's it that's all for me folks i appreciate you all for tuning in and listening as always i am the one and only noise of the north himself i'm dan of the mano and you can hear me next time once again right here on the golden mike podcast